Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Well, I know it will be hard to believe, but we're actually culminating the Confronting the Chaos series this weekend. Now, it could make an encore appearance at some point, but at least for now, we're stopping. Early on, very early on, the staff had this little communication circulating where they were betting on how many uh, teachings there would be in the series, and they were all underestimating. For this is the 24th week, and I think the highest estimate they had was in the mid-teens, something like that. But I do believe the Lord's been teaching us some things in recognizing what it is we're battling and why we're battling. Right at the beginning, you might recall that I talked about that the cornerstone or the foundation of a society is recognizing God, recognizing him as creator, that he is truth, that all truth emanates from him, and that there are moral absolutes. And the cultural chaos we're in is because we fail to really recognize those things. And at the foundation of that, I would say the real root problem is a lack of fear of God. That a healthy society has a very healthy fear of who God is, that we all appear before him, give an account for our lives. And we want to know who he is if you reverently fear him. But we're in a society in which things are chaotic. And I said, really, I think you can summarize all of the chaos into an attack upon the image of God in some form or another. And the primary methodology for the attack has to do with lies. That is, there are just an enormous number of lies in the world in which we live. And that's not surprising because Satan is the father of lies. There's no truth in him. He's always perpetrating lies. And his purpose in perpetrating lies is to deceive people in order to destroy their lives. And of course, as we look at the landscape of human history or society today, well, certainly there is a lot of destruction of lives. Some of you have experienced some of that personally, or maybe you have family members who've walked wayward paths and where their own lives have been a great struggle. But a a life that is built upon truth, that is built upon a healthy fear of God, is one that can have real meaning and purpose throughout the journey that we are on. Now, in culminating this series, last week we talked about international chaos. And of course, we primarily focused upon the scripture that says the nation will rise against nation, there'll be rumors of wars and so forth. All of these things must happen. They're birth pains leading up to the very last day. And of course, I've said many times, I believe we're in the last days, we could live to see the return of Christ. We could live to see the time of tribulation. All of those things are happening. And where we focused last week was inviting our Ukrainian friends to share in the services. And every service was very different because we had different people sharing. But regardless of the service, what 
I summarize from that is that if anybody has lived through chaos in the last year and a half, it's our Ukrainian friends. Because most of us haven't had to flee our homes suddenly, leave behind everything that we knew, basically everything that we own, and just go day by day, not knowing where you would sleep or what you would eat, and yet that trusting that God would provide, not realizing that he was going to take you to the promised land of Tennessee and to give you a whole new family and a whole new group of friends. And really, every time I hear any of the Ukrainians share their story and learn a few more details, it just deepens my affection for them as I realize the journey they've been on is one that is far more difficult than most of us have experienced. And yet what I really respect and appreciate is I've seen a deep love for Christ and a deep trust in him in the midst of all of the chaos of their lives. Yet still, it's hard. In the 11 o'clock service last week, there were a couple of teenagers on the stage with us. And I think in this service, there was a video about the city Kharkiv that we tried to play and it only went about half through. But the video showed the beauty of that city before the war. And of course, now it's been destroyed in many ways. But as that video was playing, one of the teenagers just broke down. It was just hard for her to see what had been her beautiful home and have been away for so long. And so that's the reason that we're involved in helping the Ukrainians, that at least for some, we could make life a little bit better in the midst of the chaos they're experiencing. Now, to culminate this series, where I want to go this week is to talk about peace in the chaos. That is that for any person, any time, in any situation, you can have peace in the midst of the chaos of your life. And there's always been chaos in human history, and there always will be. It just takes a different form. And you can think of there's chaos at the national level or international level. There's chaos in the, in the nation or in a certain community, but there's always some chaos in the lives of individuals. In fact, if we just went around the room here and had everybody share about what chaos has been in your life in the last six months, it would probably be rather staggering to realize how much challenge and difficulty people have been dealing with, whatever it might have been during that season. And of course, there are a lot of people who'd say, well, your peace is based on the things that are around you. And in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, here the prophet is speaking on behalf of God, and he's saying, they dress the wound of my people. In other words, those who are speaking, who are false prophets, and the people he's talking about are the Jewish people, the people of God, that they dress the wound as if it's not serious. They say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now, Jeremiah was a true prophet called to confront the Israelites with having not walked in his will and that judgment was a potential for them. And there were false prophets saying, don't worry, it's all fine. The king will take care of you or somebody else. The army will make sure there's peace. And they're crying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, a false peace. And you and I can experience a false peace. That is, we can 
try to keep things in our lives under control, think we're the master of it, we're in charge, and have a sense of peace, security, pride, something like that, but it's a false peace. In fact, I think about my own life before I was a Christian, and I posing the question of how peaceful was I as a person? And I would have to say I was not very peaceful. In fact, on a scale of one to 10, I'd say before I was a Christian, I would vacillate between zero and four. In other words, the best I ever was in terms of peace was four, and sometimes there was just none. And my peace was almost always contingent upon whatever circumstances I was dealing with. In other words, what was determining my emotional state was what was going on around me in the circumstances of life. So things could be okay for a while, but then it would become unsettled because of something that happened. Now, as we go through this teaching, I would ask you to pose the same question to yourself. How peaceful are you as a person? On a scale of zero to 10, are you a very unsettled, troubled, anxious person? I mean, I've met plenty of people like that. Are you basically okay, sometimes peaceful, sometimes very worried, very fearful? Are you generally a pretty peaceful person? Steady, trusting? Are you an extraordinarily peaceful person? Have you ever been around anybody that seemed to be calm and peaceful no matter what was going on? Whether in their life or in the lives of the people around them, they were just steady, calm, peaceful. I've known a few like that, not a lot. So as we go through this, how peaceful are you as a person? Now I said you can have false peace, and I think false peace is based on your outside circumstances, what's going on around you, and for a season it's good and you feel comfortable in that, but the real question is how peaceful are you in the trials, in the storms, when the difficulties really come. Now, I would speculate that every person in this room has some things that if you dwelt upon, they would make you troubled and anxious in some way or another. I mean, I've had a few things, nothing major going on just in the last month or two, that if I spent time dwelling upon them, I would lose a little sleep become a little bit frustrated and a little bit angry. And I have to choose not to dwell upon those things. I would dare say every person here, though, has some things that you could focus upon that would cause you to lose your peace. And yet Jesus would say that all of us can have peace all of the time. There's a scripture in Isaiah that we normally only read around Christmas time, the one that says, for unto us a child is born. And in that scripture, it says he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Do you realize in those statements, those titles, it's talking about the Trinity because everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now think about that. It says he is, his title, in other words, his character is, he's the Prince of Peace. And that of his government, there'll be an increase that is really eternal and of peace, there will be no end. Do you realize that God is never at a point ever when he is not peaceful? He's never anxious, worried, troubled, upset, frustrated. Even if he's angry and he can get angry, he's still peaceful in his anger. Most of us aren't. We don't understand what it would mean to have righteous anger because of our fallen nature. But the scripture declares, now in giving anything in scripture that gives God a name or a title is not something added to him. It's something that describes his character and his nature. It's what is inherent to him. Like in the Old Testament, the scriptures that talk about Jehovah Rapha or Yahweh Rapha is Yahweh God, our healer. Any of those that tell us something about him, they're talking about his character, his nature. And so this scripture says he is the Prince of Peace. Now here's a real interesting thought. He is the Prince of your peace. That is, if you're a person who can really walk through life in circumstances, regardless of what they are, and remain peaceful, no matter what you're dealing with, he is the prince of your peace. Now, I've mentioned many times this lady that was a close friend of our family, Mary Gordon, who was like a third grandmother to our children. She's died in, in heaven now. Mary was one of the most peaceful human beings I have ever, ever met. It didn't matter what was going on, what circumstance, she was just peaceful. And she had plenty of things that could have troubled her. Like she didn't know how she was going to be able to make it in her latter years. She had no provision really if she needed assistant living or anything like that. She didn't have a lot of finances. She asked me to help her with her finances. I knew that she had very little. And yet never saw her anxious or worried I always saw her giving and generous out of what she had. And in her latter years, she had Parkinson's disease. And in her case, the Parkinson's did not affect her mind, really, it seemed at all. Her mind just seemed to be just wonderful right up until the day she passed. But her physical abilities declined. Primarily, she had balance problems. And she would fall a lot. Now, I mentioned the part she didn't know about assisted living I've told this story before that her brother had many years earlier purchased long-term care policies for all of his sisters. And he had passed. She didn't even know anything about it and found out about it later in life. And he provided for her in all of the last days of her life. So she went into an assisted living facility here in the Kingsport area. I think it's called Asbury or something close to that. And uh, she would fall a lot there. 
And one day I went to pick her up because I think we were having like Thanksgiving lunch or something like that. And I went to pick her up and bring her to our house. I walked into her room and I saw that she had like a wound on her arm and a wound on her head that were fresh. I mean, like it was bleeding right there. And she's just sitting on her bed. And I'm like, Mary, are you okay? She's like, I had a little fall. I'm fine. And she was like, is it time to go? You know, she wasn't distraught, troubled, like, oh no, this is terrible. I don't think she'd called for any help. I think she had just crawled up off the floor, sat down. I think I called for somebody to help her with her wounds a little bit, but she was fine. We went on with the day, just calm, just peaceful. All the days that I knew her. And I'm sure the reason for that is the relationship she had with Christ was so deep and so rich that it really didn't matter what was going on. She knew he was with her and providing for her in every circumstance. That he was her Prince of Peace. Now in John, Jesus was saying to the disciples, he said, all this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send that he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. He says, I do not give as the world gives, which is a false peace. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now really, when your peace is gone, why? Because something has happened that has caused you to be concerned, fearful, worried, whatever it might be, that it's robbed you of peace from the outside, you might say. But Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will dwell within you, that your peace is not going to come from outside of you. It's not coming from the world or circumstances, something like that. Because remember, the Jewish people expected a Messiah who was going to be a great king, a ruler, who would give them peace in the land by throwing the Romans out. They didn't expect a Messiah who would go to the cross and die. They expected a, a victor, a conqueror, which he is, but not in the way or method that they anticipated. And he says, my peace I give you. That your source of peace is not going to come from outside of you, but it comes from within you. The fact that God himself dwells within you. And so you've got to recognize that there is never ever a time when the Holy Spirit is unpeaceful. There's never a time when Jesus lacks peace, no matter what's going on in your life. In fact, you could be facing suddenly one of the most difficult challenges of your life. And if you stop and listen, the Lord would say something like, trust me, I'm with you. And his peace might overcome you in that moment. Some of you have experienced times when the world seemed to be falling apart around you. And for reasons that you could not explain, you were still peaceful. And that's because the Holy Spirit within you was imparting peace to you. The scripture also says in Colossians, 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you are called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Now go back to the question of, well, how peaceful are you? I mean, honestly, what would you say about yourself? I said before I was a Christian, I was a zero to four. Now here's an interesting thing. I think after I became a Christian in the first few years, I would say I was a one to six. In other words, I don't think I ever quite hit zero. I had more peace than I'd had in the past. And sometimes it was a lot better, but I actually think there was more volatility than there had been before because I was learning this new life, learning to depend upon Christ, and the flesh was still often involved. And sometimes it was a struggle, especially sometimes when it was spiritual warfare. Now, I'm sure everybody's thinking, well, what would you judge yourself now? Well, I'm a lot more peaceful than I used to be and rarely hit very low. So I'm going to say I'm a four to eight, sometimes nine, no 10 in there. Now, the interesting thing, though, would be to ask my wife, wouldn't it? She's actually more peaceful and has always been than I am. She's more steady, just Amazingly so in that way. But the question would be, what about you? What would your spouse say? Or what about your friends or the people you're around regularly? Would they say you're a very peaceful, calming person? Do you know there's some people that when chaos hits they be, bring calm and peace to everybody else. You know, they're just circumstances. Sometimes when chaos hits and there's trouble, whatever it is, there's some people that in that circumstance just bring calm and peace to everybody. And it's a gifting that God has given them, but those who really walk with Christ, it's him working through them. For the scripture indicates in Galatians that the fruit of the spirit are love, joy, peace, and so on. Now, the fruit of the spirit are not something that you manufacture or you manifest apart from the Holy Spirit. You see, these are the characteristics of the spirit himself. That the Holy Spirit is always loving. He's always joyful. He's always peaceful. He's always patient. See, this is the nature of God. This is who he is. He's always faithful. He's always good. He dwells within you. And now what he wants to do is bring those fruit to bear in your life, increasingly so as you go through this journey of life. In other words, if when you first became a Christian, if you were a very unpeaceful or a very impatient person, if you walk with him for a number of years, what he naturally wants to do is make you more patient, more peaceful, more joyful. And the longer you get to know him and the longer you walk with him and really experience him, the more that should be true in your life. In fact, I would go so far as to say a mark of Christian maturity is the level of peacefulness that you have regardless of the circumstances of your life. 
Because does life get easier as you get older? Has anybody just like found out that life just got a whole lot easier as I progressed through the 20s and 30s and 40s and so on? Anybody encounter that? See, it seems, not trying to scare you young people, but life gets harder. It gets more complex, more challenging. You get more responsibilities. You know, for a while, you just got to take care of yourself. Then you got to worry about others and more people. And then you got to eventually worry about your own parents. When they were parenting you at one time, you're going to have to take care of them, things like that. And then there are a lot of complex things that come your way. Life is not getting easier. Yet what happens is, as God is working in you, you're able to deal with the more complex things in a more steady way. That despite the increased complexity and difficulty of life, there can be greater peace in you as you go through life. Now, if your peace is contingent upon the circumstances of your life, that won't happen. This is why there are some people who are older who are just scattered and angry and bitter and all those kinds of things. They're not walking with Christ and trusting him in all the circumstances that are around them. So I go back to the question. How peaceful are you? I, there are people in this church that I would, I've known long enough to say, now there's somebody that is peaceful in everything. Almost never seen them distraught or concerned. Just trusting. In Philippians, it says this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then it says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, anything means what? Anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Is there anybody, now don't raise your hands, but is there anybody here who came in this morning anxious about something? Hmm. There's a fairly high probability that there was some anxiousness in many people here about something. See, I think that's one of the things that Mary had learned during her life is that God always provided. He was always there. She didn't have to worry about it. She could trust that even when she couldn't see the outcome, he had things under control. And so she was very peaceful. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but, but, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I've encountered some people say, well, I don't pray unless I really need to. Like, I don't want to bother God. I know he's busy, things like that. And, and I only bring the really big ones to him because I'm, they're basically concerned that if they bug him too much, when they really do need something, he's going to be like, look, I'm worn out. Leave me alone. But the scripture says, says in everything, absolutely everything, no exception, small things, big things, no matter what it is, bring your requests to God. This is why I think one of the healthy barometers of your Christian life is do you talk to him all the time, all day long, about everything? Does he care about absolutely everything? Yes, if he created all things and holds all things together, then all things, the most small things, 
matter to him. And if you are a trophy of his grace, you personally matter to him and the details of your life matter. I think it's very interesting that sometimes God brings blessings into our lives in very small things and you realize it had to be him. There's no other way that could have come about that he cared enough about something small to show you a special blessing. And see, as you're bringing everything in your life before him, all of the time laying it before him, the peace of God transcends everything and it guards your heart and your mind. Now see, a lot of the time, our peace is contingent upon the probability of an expectation of an outcome. In other words, we're in a situation that's troubling and we want it to turn out in a certain way. And if it looks like it's going to turn out that way, we're sort of peaceful. But if it looks like it's going to turn out in some way that we don't want, we're not peaceful. And see, oftentimes our peace is based on an expectation of the probability of the outcome that we want. The problem is, in our limited minds, we might want an outcome that's not the best. And see, real peace that comes from God is when you learn to trust him for the outcome, just trust him for the walk or for day-by-day experience. That, Lord, I trust you for today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I know you're going to deal with it. You're going to take care of it. Whatever the outcome is, I will trust you. Now, I know that's a lot easier to say than to live in a lot of situations when they're very, very difficult. But it is true that no matter what you deal with, what you go through, he can give you peace to walk through it, even in the midst of the challenge. That his peace passes all understanding. There are lots of times when there are people who walk with Christ closely, who are filled with the Spirit, who are standing in peace when everybody else is falling apart. That it makes no, un, no rational understanding that they should be peaceful, but they are because his peace transcends all understanding. So I go back to the question of how peaceful are you? Do you realize that if any of us could depend upon the Holy Spirit and trust God 100% of the time, we would always, without exception, be peaceful? Always. So you can then deduce that if you are not peaceful in a given circumstance, you are leaning upon yourself rather than trusting God. I mean, it pretty much boils down to that. If God himself is always peaceful, if the Holy Spirit manifests peace, if the fruit of the Spirit includes peace, then God is always peaceful and he will always impart peace to you. And to the extent that you rely upon him, you will have peace. To the extent that you are relying upon yourself and trusting in your abilities and strength, then you could be troubled or not. Now, of course, for all of us, growing in maturity in Christ to become like Christ means learning to depend upon him more, dying to your old self. And that means dying to your old nature 
that tended to be anxious and fearful rather than peaceful. Now, I hope that what God reminds you of is that in any situation when you're not peaceful, you're trusting in yourself and not in him. I mean, if you could remember one thing from this teaching, any situation when you are not peaceful, you're trusting in yourself, not in him. No matter what the situation is. That he wants to bring peace in everything, regardless of what you deal with. See, this is part of the journey of life, of how God has structured it, so that we would die to our old self and become like Christ in every way. And that includes like Christ in peacefulness. Now what we're going to do to conclude the service today is partake of what we refer to as communion or the Lord's Supper. That Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. That he took the bread and broke it had the disciples eat of it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Yes, and if you're one of the servers, if you'll come forward. That he took the bread and broke it. Now, when he first served it to the disciples in what we refer to as the Last Supper before the crucifixion, I'm sure they didn't understand. But after the crucifixion, their understanding, I'm sure, increased greatly he took the cup told him to drink said this is my blood shed for you and again they couldn't have understood if you don't know Christ this whole idea of partaking of the bread and the cup as his body seems confusing even repulsive in some way but once you come to know him and realize that this is God himself who took the form of a man who voluntarily went to a cross to die the most gruesome of deaths because you and I deserve death. That he became the substitution for what you and I deserve. That he is the living God. Then you realize when he said do this in remembrance of him you are recognizing and commemorating and rejoicing in the sacrifice of God himself for you. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him will be saved. And when he said he gave his only son, he didn't just give a fraction or a portion, he gave his life. And so... To partake of communion is a serious thing. It is a sacred, holy sacrament where I believe the Holy Spirit anoints and blesses those who partake. And we practice what is called open communion, meaning anybody and everybody is welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church, but you do have to be a member of the kingdom of God, which means you must have invited Christ into your heart. If you have not invited Christ in your heart, then today is the day of salvation for you. Do not tarry. The times are urgent. That everyone must 
call upon his name in order to be saved. If that's you, I'd be happy to pray with you or any of our communion servers would be happy to pray with you that you could partake for the first time today of the one who is your savior. The scripture also says that we must take partake of communion in a worthy manner, not unworthy. An unworthy manner is to disrespect the body and blood of Christ, to not recognize what he has done, to come before him with unrepentant sin, to blaspheme his name, that for any person here, it is a good idea to examine your own heart, ask for forgiveness, and then come and share. Now there's even gluten-free bread on the tables, if you need that. In the baskets here on the stage are the single servings of communion, if you prefer to do it that way. But the servers will be serving you the bread, then you take and dip into the cup. It's called intinction is the method that you might worship and honor the one who gave his life for you. So as we return to worship, just come as you feel led. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.